unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel, and a special surprise for this week's episode. Hey, good morning, Nathan. So, yes, our guest today is Brian Basilico, and the fact that he's here is the very reason this episode is called Content Marketing That Brings in the Bacon. That's not only because he's an expert on content marketing, and he's helped a lot of people make money. It's also because he's the host of the Bacon podcast. And in fact, Bacon seems to have pretty much taken over Brian's life. Well, his business life anyway. Brian has a best-selling book called It's Not About You, It's About the Bacon. And his Bacon podcast was voted by Inc. Magazine as one of the top 35 business podcasts. He's been around a long time. He's a pioneer, for example. When LinkedIn started up 15 years ago, he was one of the first thousand people to join. Brian, thanks for coming on and welcome. David, it is not only a pleasure, it's an honor, man. I am a fan of yours and you and Nathan have both been on my podcast. So uh, it's a pleasure to uh, flip the coin. It, it is. Now, before we take the bacon out of the fire and mm-hmm. into the frying pan, <laughs> let me serve up this sizzling reminder. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So, Ryan, let's get started. Give us the express tour of how you got to where you are today, and especially how you discovered what you're going to tell us about content marketing. Well, so when we were chatting up front, we, uh, we both love music. I know Nathan's been in music and stuff like that. My first business I ever started was a recording studio in my dad's basement in 1979. Wow. One of the stories I love to tell is I was doing content marketing in 1979. Hmm. And people look at me and they go, Brian, how did you do content marketing in 1979? There was no internet. There was no email. There was none of that stuff. So here's how I did it. You guys will geek out on this. I had an Atari 400 computer. And I would literally type up stories on how to record, how to do good microphone technique, how to plan for a session, what new gear I had, maybe some customer success stories. And I would print them out on a dot matrix printer. I would cut them with the scissors. And I would literally tape them to an 11 by 17 piece of paper. I would take that to a printer, have it printed and folded and mailed. And that was content marketing circa 1979. So that's that's how it all started. And then there's there's a long journey of of other things I've done. I've been in and out of the corporate sandbox, worked for AT&T, Arthur Anderson, you know, doing basically content production. So when I owned my commercial recording studio, you know, we did your, t- your typical bands and radio commercials and things like that. But we were doing things like doing interactive voice response recording for Motorola. 
and McDonald's. Wait, wait, don't get all geeky on me. I, I want to <laughs> get back to what you were talking about with that 11 by 17 dot matrix. God, that yes. printed article. So you would mail it out and then what happened? Well, what happened was, is that people would read it and they would call, you and, know, it, and, it was and, they would, and they would become paying clients. Exactly. Okay. That's the important thing. That's the important thing because most people think content marketing doesn't work. And I think the reason they say that is either because they haven't done it or they don't know how to do it in a way that works. So could you tell us what is content marketing? How do most people use it? And what are some misconceptions about how to use it to make money? Absolutely. Well, content marketing simply is taking good information, putting it in front of people to do one of three things. And that is either create awareness to educate them or to generate sales. And people are in different places at any given time. You know, people, and, and there's a thing, and actually, Nathan, I've got to credit you guys with this. I, I heard it on your podcast. It was called Open, and I borrowed that. And what it is, is that people are in one of four places, oblivious, pondering, engaged, or in need. Okay, so I call the oblivious people trying to sell dog food to cat people. Second piece, pondering. They're thinking about getting a dog. Um, they are engaged. They want to learn about what dog food to get a dog and need. They have a dog. They got to go get the food. So content marketing is understanding first where people are in the buying process and then creating content specific to where they are. So let me, let me just uh, throw in a comment here. That doesn't sound very different from direct marketing sales pitch. You, you got to start where people are and right. address that. Yeah, but what I see a lot of people doing is focusing on one thing. You know, they think that just writing blog posts is the way to go or just doing podcasts is the things to, to do. But, you know, creating great graphics, like one of my favorite books is your headline book. One of the first books I started reading when I got into this industry. And, you know, Twitter is one of the greatest tools in the world because you have to learn to communicate in such small bites. Mm -hmm. Your LinkedIn headline is 120 characters. How can you use 120 characters in there to actually tell people who you serve, what you do, and what makes you different? You know, so if you can write a good headline like that, you can put that on a graphic and use that graphic on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Pinterest, on whatever you do to draw attention to the fact that, let's say we have a podcast like the Bacon Podcast or the well, Copyright I, I wanted to bring that up um, just today <laughs> or... Yesterday, I got this wonderful mug, and only the people watching the video version will see this, but on the front, it says, Brian Basilico, Bacon Podcast, and on the back, it says, David Garfinkel, you sent me a personalized mug. That, I mean, that's sort of an example, right? It's exactly an example. It keeps you top of mind, right? So, you know, having that graphic out there is a quick way to remind people. Then the second piece of it is show notes, you know, writing show notes or writing an article around what a show is about, whether you're doing a podcast or whether you're giving a speech or whether you're trying to sell a product, you need to educate people. You need to tell them, you know, step by step why it's important for them. One of the things I always say is that people are listening to two different radio stations, WIIAM or WIIFM. WIIAM is what is interesting about me. 
And what I see a lot of times on websites and in content, it's all about, well, we have achieved such and such, and we've won such awards and all these other things. And this is, you know, they're we, 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 I call it we, weeing all over yourself. Mm-hmm. What people are tuned into is W-I-I-F-M, what's in it for me. Right. So if you start to generate edu- educational content that focuses on the end user and gives them the answers to their questions, you're going to be a lot more successful with it. Okay, so I've noticed a lot of people post pictures of what they had for lunch. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's not really good content marketing. <laughs> well, it, it's really okay content marketing if it has a purpose. So, for example, with the bacon, how the whole bacon concept started was I was at a conference and one of my friends posted the hashtag bacon on a tweet that we were speaking. And in the course of an hour of giving that speech, she had 20 new followers because bacon and kittens are the top two things that are shared on the Internet. Kittens, number one, bacon, number two. So you're saying if you had bacon for lunch and that's in the picture, then it'll work. Absolutely. So what I started doing is going out to breakfast meetings and things like that and taking pictures of bacon, but it was OPB. Other Other people's bacon. bacon. Okay. Right. I was eating oatmeal. (laughs) You you sound like a fetishist. You've got all these special, you know, uh, nerdy distinctions and stuff. What are some of your favorite techniques to use in content marketing that actually make money? I mean, the thing you opened with was great, you know, with the 11 by 17 dot matrix printed article, uh, which, which certainly isn't high in production value, but probably high in use value to the user. So could you give us an example or two, either from yourself or clients you've worked with, mm-hmm. um, of content marketing that makes money? Because I think a lot of people, you know, what you've said so far is, is very, very valuable that the, when the content is, you know, there's something in it for the prospect and it's useful to them, Mm -hmm. that's what's going to bring you business. Could you give us some specifics? Yeah, I could give you some some easy specifics. I mean, from from the world of clients, let me talk about one specific type of project. Um, I have a client that was working with an agency. And let me preface one thing right up front. My nickname is Captain Typo. I suck. I suck at writing. I suck at reading. I wrote all of my books by speaking them in. Okay. okay. I'm just, I can't see text. So I'm not really good at it. So I work with professionals, but I understand the concept of how to make it work. So one of the things that I do is in order to get great content, I like to use interviews. So I will go in and actually bring in a writer and bring in the client and do a Zoom like we're doing and record that entire thing. And the key thing I'm trying to get out of that is a transcription that has the content in the client's voice, but answering the questions that their end user wants to hear. So what we do is we turn that into a lot of different things. We turned it into awareness graphics. So you have a question, okay, what happens when your chain of custody fails? Okay, very topic, you know, very high-end topic, chain of custody. Let me give you an example of what chain of custody is. Chain of custody is you have bad spinach at a Chipotle, and it all has to get recalled. they got to figure out where it originated from so they can get it all back, okay? So this company works with that kind of product. So the awareness graphic is that we write a blog around that whole concept. Here are the steps that you need to think about with chain of custody and what kind of technology that you need. And it's Okay, now this, this is a very 
high end B two B kind of thing for large large businesses, maybe that are right, right. But you can also apply that same thing to yourself, Mm -hmm. to your own content marketing. So again, you know, the awareness graphic, the writing the content from your own voice, but answering the question. I mean, basically, interview yourself. You know, ask yourself questions and put that together and transcribe it. When you look at it on a piece of paper, it jumps out at you a lot differently than when you're sitting there typing. So that's just one concept. You know, I I just want to comment that, again, this recalls Robert Collier saying, enter the conversation already going on in your prospect's mind. Same idea. It's not a pitch to close for a sale, but so maybe you're only in the first couple steps of attention, interest, desire, action. Maybe it's just attention and interest, but then sales actually go a- across a what a, a um, you know a, a series of, of of events and experiences for some types of prospects. So this is really great. I just wanted to make that comment. Do you agree with that? Absolutely, hundred percent. Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in L.A.'s famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now, back to the show. So we've got the awareness side. We've got the content side, the educational side. Now comes the sales side. The sales side is one of two places. They're ready to make the purchase or they have made the purchase. And okay. this is where you're writing content around. If they're, if they're in the decision-making process, do I choose uh, the BMW with the you know, automatic drivetrain or do I choose it with the stick shift or, you know, what things am I going to decide about? What are the options? I know I'm going to buy a BMW because I love their service and I love the image that it provides, but I don't know specifics. So give them at that point, they've already made the decision on your brand. Now give them the options at their fingertips so that they understand it. And then the post sale is here's what you need to know about your BMW. Uh, go to this website, watch this video on how to work your radio, you know, how to change a light bulb, how to know when you need to come in for service. If you keep top of mind with clients after they purchase, and that's all part of the process, that is content marketing. And Doing- I think that's one area most businesses fall down, but not the smart ones. Uh, yeah. most businesses aren't smart in this way. And that is, you know, after the purchase, don't love them and leave them, you know call them in the morning, right? Right. Yeah. And I always talk from a LinkedIn strategy, okay? Because I, I work a lot with B2B and, you know, the content marketing space in there is, uh, it's amazing. And the, one of the reasons I think it's one of the most underutilized social media tools out there because, number one, it is the one social media that does not rely on advertising. 70% of their money comes from jobs. 
The second thing is only 0.5% of people actually post original content. When you go into LinkedIn and you look through that, the vast majority of content is curated. It's well, not a- I, I only post original content. I, I post a couple of videos about the Copywriters Podcast on LinkedIn each week. I yeah. guess it puts me in that 0.5. I always wanted to be part of the 1%. I guess I finally am now, huh? You are, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it it eventually will pay for you. And then, so the other thing about it too is that you have an audience that is hungry for content. They don't spend nearly as much time, but the last piece of this is it is the most trusted social media out there because there's not all the jibber jabber that you find on a Twitter or a Facebook. Mm-hmm. No, there's not all these, you know, goofy things. There's not the funny things. There's not the political things or the controversial things. It is strictly just business stuff. I, I saw somebody try to post something, you know, he tried to do a political post with a business slant and all the comments slammed that entire post, you yeah. know, so people are self-policing and saying, keep it content driven, you know, so it's a great place to share your content if you're doing business with people who are going to hire you to write for their business. So do you think that being able to create profitable content? Well, let me tell you what's behind this question. Sure. Uh, is a leading question because <laughs> I, I keep hearing the the thunderclaps of doom about <laughs> um, internet marketing, about email marketing, about Facebook marketing. It's going to get harder and harder to do anything that we're currently doing and used to. So, which and and for most people, content marketing is not really part of their mix. Um, do you think being able to create the kind of profitable content marketing that you're talking about will become more important? Over time? Let me go back to 1979. What was I doing back then? Right. Right. The difference between then and today is just the tools that we have and the way that we deliver it. So, content marketing will never change, just like advertising will never change. Persuasion will never change. So, you don't think it'll become more important. You just think it'll be always part of the mix. It's always part of the mix. Yeah. It's never going to change. It's just how we deliver it and how people consume it. That's the difference. You know, so maybe the content has to be more video focused. Maybe the content, you know, again, it it depends on your audience. I mean, is your audience reading on an e-reader? Are they reading on a tablet? Are they desktop? Are they mobile? I mean, a lot of that has to do with it, too. You know, the kind of content you produce really depends on where people consume it and what their um, their favorite methodology of getting it is, you know, I mean, how do you, you know, how many teenagers does it take to screw in a light bulb? Just one, you know, they hold up the light bulb and the world revolves around Mm -hmm. them. But if you want to reach a teenager, you better start texting. them. Okay. So with text, you've got a limited space. So what are you going to do to get their attention and what are they going to respond to? That's going to make them want to buy a pizza or play your video game. You know, you have to understand all that. And the content marketing and advertising and headlines and all that stuff is intertwined, but core concepts, I think, never change. And you talk about that all the time. You bring up some incredible books, you know, of, you know, very old books that talk about these concepts that are still valid today. Well, I hope for, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who say there's copy and there's content and they, you know, they really think they're two different things. and. Um, what I'm getting reinforced hearing from you and uh, what I'm hoping uh, will dawn on some people who felt that way is that content is content marketing really is marketing. It just doesn't ask for a sale. Right. 
Exactly. Yeah, it's more of an education thing. And the other thing, too, I like to get people to think about is when you're writing sales copy, it truly has a purpose to sell something. When you're writing content, you should start to think of it as an asset. And so, for example, you could go through and write um, 20 blogs and do it in a sequence that you could put into a book. I mean, Chris Brogan did that. He did it with one of his first books where he just took a bunch of blog posts and sequenced them, but it didn't make sense. You know, it was like it went from topic to topic to topic, and it was a little disjointed. But if you really think about content marketing as a sequence of assets, you could turn that into a physical book and actually sell it. You could use it as a blog post series that keeps going over and over and over again. I mean, the thing about content, marketing is these assets can be programmed and reused over and over. It's not a one-time shot. Yeah. And it's also worth pointing out that people like to consume information differently. Most people like to consume their uh, digital stuff on the phone. I don't. I like that big 24-inch Mac Cinema screen. I, 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 I know this is really old-fashioned, but I actually like to use phones to make phone calls Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and, you know not everyone's the same way and i get it um and and so some people would rather watch videos some people would rather read some people would rather hear so Mm -hmm. you know i mean when you're talking about repurposing an asset Mm -hmm. um this is this is a very good point A, a lot of people sort of have this little voice going on in their head I'm guessing that says, oh, if I want to do marketing, I need to do something new. I need to create some new valuable content or a new product or a new promotion. But often you can repurpose the same content and that's going to help your business more. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at it as an asset, I mean, again, here's one of the things that I do. Every single one of my podcasts are sent to Rev and transcribed. And so now I've got an asset that I can turn into a blog post and I can take a a series of blog posts and turn them into an ebook and use that as a freemium on my website or even a freemium on the podcast, or I could use it as a freemium in social media. Everything I'm doing has a shelf life to it. Now, granted, things change. You know, I, I started out writing my first book about how to do social media, and it lasted three months before the book was obsolete. <laughs> um, so I had to change the whole concept of why to do social media. And that's what led me down this path of content marketing. As soon as I started to understand the why behind the content marketing, then I started to make sense of the fact that what I'm really doing is educating an audience, creating awareness, and generating assets that can be used and modified in the future. Okay, that's really good. Well, we're we're coming close to the end, so I I, I want to take a. I'm going to step out on a limb here, Brian, mm-hmm. and I'm going to guess that if people want to contact you, they should not go to the bacon section of Whole Foods. <laughs> Although you might find me kind of snooping around in there um, if, if you're in the right town. But right. if I'm right, so what can people get from you? What do you offer? You have a book, you have a podcast, blog, and where right. do they get it? Well, the easiest thing to do is go to Google and search Brian Basilico. There's only two of me. One's a a college hockey player and the other one is a content marketing and author. So search B-R-I-A-N-B-A-S-I-L-I-C-O on Google. And then you can choose what you want. You can choose my blog. You can choose my podcast. You can choose to connect with me on LinkedIn, any of those things. The bottom line is I want to be where you are. 
I even do smoke signals. So if you want to learn my Indian name, it's actually on my website. So if you want to do that, I read it. Uh, do you want to tell us now? I can't stand the suspense. I have no idea. I can't remember, <laughs> but it is on there. <laughs> All right. Well, fair enough. Um, Nathan, why don't you play us off? Whatever you want to say. I just had uh, one question for you, Brian. Sure. When it comes to content, I know that some people feel like they get to a point where they're beating a dead horse. They feel like they've said everything they have to say about a particular niche or a particular industry. And if you're trying to consistently post one or two posts on LinkedIn or one or two posts on Facebook or uh, an email every single day, any tips for people uh, or any things for people to consider when they feel like they've ran out of things to create content around? Well, one of the things that I say all the time is that music is made up of 12 notes, all right? It's just how you combine them that makes a difference. So there's always a way to spin something differently. One of the things I say is find the top 10 people that you want to connect with. And then I interviewed somebody who said, instead of finding a needle in a haystack, go build a pile of needles. That same concept, even though I did it before, I was able to redo it in a different verse. So it sounded a little different. So in other words, I went from a major key to a minor key with the same concept. So all you have to do is put a little different skin on it or a different template like a website, and you can repurpose that over and over. Okay, nice. And I think that uh, one thing for people to remember too is people that have known you for three years may have heard you talk about this, but people that are just now coming into your world haven't. So if you're afraid that you're beating a dead horse, maybe for the longtime fans, but for the new people, it's, it's new information for them. Absolutely. Yeah. It's fresh to somebody. Absolutely. Brian, where can people go again if they want to check out more of your work? Just go and search Brian Basilico on Google or go to brianbasilico.com. That's my speaking and author website. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. David, another fantastic selection of guests. And until next time, we'll catch you later. Thanks, Brian. Catch you later. Thank you. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes so you never miss an episode. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network. 